let's record a podcast. Or not. Did we, we hit we record? Don't have to. We did. Okay. I did. I did hit record. You are listening to the Oh my You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode fifty seven. This is the Give Me Five Podcast, a completely entertaining show about super entertaining subjects. We discuss pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. I'm discombobulated here with my co-hosts. Wanna play a James? Yes. Hi. And Glitter Greg. <laughs> Drink from me and live forever. And together we are the Give Me Five Podcast Brain Trust. You also mispronounced Gristle. No, 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 I got it right. I got it right. <laughs> I'm a lot of things. Glittery is not one of them. This week, keep telling yourself that, Sparkles. This week, three of our favorite... Oh. This week, three of our favorite... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Plow through it. <laughs> this is week three of our favorite month, October. And keeping with the theme of the month, we'll be covering some more spooky stuff. Stuff like Venom... I have, Hodark. No I have no idea what that is. I think Jimmy just added that to be goofy. It, it's it's the same way as Game of Thrones, bro. Hold the dark. Hodark? Get it? Uh, <laughs> damn, you're uh, slow. That joke comes courtesy of Kerwin. He was very proud of it. So, And I understood, Kerwin, I understood it as soon as I saw it. Greg was like, what's that? Way early on. Get it. Well, I, I googled Hodark, and it was like some weird, like, anime thing. <laughs> some weird anime thing. <laughs> yes, he's going to be so happy to hear that. Uh, also, the Gunship album, Dark All Day. We're also going to discuss the new Netflix series, Haunting of Hill House, as well as more Halloween Horror Nights. Tonight, we're going to discuss Halloween 4 and Blumhouse Houses. Then, based on our conversation, we come up with a top five list. Things like top five anti-heroes, top five Hodor jokes, top five Tom Hardy performances, you know, stuff like that. I think we could actually make a question out of that in the future. The top five Tom Hardy performances? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could, uh, Bronson, you know, Dark Knight. Mad Max. Meh. Um, Venom. Yeah. It was really good in that uh, bootlegger movie with Shia LaBeouf, too. I don't doubt it. He's a good actor. So this is a review show. There will probably be spoilers, man. Uh, we will uh, we will try to avoid any major twists, um, especially with Hill House, because we haven't finished it yet. But if you didn't know that you shouldn't feed a Mogwai after midnight, or that you shouldn't oh, that let, I went wrong? or that you shouldn't or, let Jimmy or, write the spoilers without watch reading them first or that Greg intentionally puts holes in his underwear, then you might want to come back, pause the show, and come back to us later. Greg didn't put those holes there. <gasps> I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, uh, if you would like to be the new hosts of the Gimme 5 podcast, you can contact <laughs> me on Facebook by searching for the Give Me 5 podcast. Or search for Holy Underwear. Or you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, give me five pod. You can also email us at give me five podcast at gmail.com. And we've gotten pretty cool emails recently about, you know, with some answers. We had some, some answers for the, uh, uh, the spiritual defender master team or super team. 
some pretty good ones. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, did we? You'll have to read those them. Were on, those were on yes. Twitter, actually. Uh, someone put it on Twitter. Uh, I, I'll try, I could try to find it, but I remember the Dalai Lama was on it. Uh, also, Preacher ended up on there. And, okay. uh, mm-hmm. uh, some of the people from, uh, American Gods were on there as well. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. You should find that so we can give them a shout out. Yeah. So you can do that. And, uh, recently, I believe you probably all saw or heard that Jeff Bezos of Amazon was named the world's richest person. Well, really? Yeah. And then, of course, the, the stock market crashed a little bit and that wiped out like $8 billion, but he made it back the next day. But, the reason why I'm telling you people this is because he doesn't need to be that rich. Maybe a little bit of his money can come to the fine folks at the Gimme Five podcast. Hey, all right, good job, man. So we on our Libsyn page or on our our podcast page, if you just search for Gimme Five podcast and all of these, the five is spelled out. You can find our link to an Amazon page that you buy whatever you're going to buy on Amazon. It could be. I don't know what's what fun stuff you buy on Amazon. People buy, I don't know, DVDs and Blu-rays, inflatable inflatable furniture. furniture. They buy, uh, as we discussed, I think last week, llama onesies. They're Halloween candy. You can buy Dalai Lama onesies. Uh, you can get your Halloween candy. Either way, you go to it through our link. A small percentage of what you are going to spend anyway comes to us instead of Jeff Bezos, and it helps us come up with super awesome content. Like you are listening to right now. Thank you in advance. And also, we have a store. It is gimme5podcast.threadless.com. It has shirts, cell phone covers, everything you could possibly need. Uh, you could go for Halloween as a podcast host just by buying one of our shirts. There you go. And I think that'd be, I think that'd be good. So that's, that's about it. And, uh, even though I left this from the script last week, uh, anything new, guys? I I saw something while I was looking for uh for information on the Hill House thing. Okay. Um did you did you see that they have I saw the video for it. Did you see that they've developed a robot that is now capable of doing parkour? You know, I I heard about it. Oh. And I know it was the Boston what dynamics Boston something. It did it, but I did not see yeah. the video. Yeah. I I saw the video. I mean the the parkour is very very tame. But when you consider that it's a robot doing it, it's actually really impressive. Um, the the robot I believe is called Atlas, and it's a it's a bipedal robot, and it takes a running start at this series of boxes, and it's like it's like wooden boxes that are tiered. Um, so you know, there's one that's a little bit smaller. There, there's a there's a short one, then there's one that's a little bit taller than that, then there's one that's a little bit taller than that, and the robot basically takes a running start at it. It leaps over a log that's in front of the boxes. And then when it gets to the boxes, it leaps up, puts the right foot on the low box, pushes off of that box, lands on the medium box with its left foot, pushes off of that box. So it's basically straddling the line in between the boxes. And so it does off one box, off the other box, onto the top box. And then it gets to the top box. Uh, no, that that might have been another video, but there's also another video where it's on a box and it does a backflip off of the box and lands on its feet and is still standing. It's it's fairly amazing when you yeah the, the it robots that robot. that group or that lab comes up with they're pretty impressive. The the walking deer looking robot thing was pretty impressive. I have not seen this one, but mm-hmm. um, 
Should we be prepared to welcome our robot overlords? Okay. Yeah, Skynet. I have concerns. You should. It sounds like these people sure. are playing with fire, man. So, well, I got something real quick. I'm I'm um really excited to this weekend um finally get a chance to go to a petrified forest. So I will definitely be talking about that next week. That a petrified forest is a very long-standing independent haunted house um, that pops up every year in Orlando. So I'll be talking about that. Really excited doing both of their trails. So um, also next week, if you haven't seen it, if you want to see the movie that made me think that the you know zombie apop- apocalypse was going to happen that night. Um, Night of the Living Dead will be in theaters on October 24th and 25th, and it is showing locally here in Orlando, so I am going Excellent. to have to go see um, that. You know, this actually does, this does actually lead in a little bit. I, I have a bit of a segue. Uh, I will tell you, I will tell you guys, segue. if anyone offers you a pawpaw cookie, do not accept the pawpaw cookie. Paw, pawpaw. Paw. A pawpaw Because... At Da Vinci Charter Academy in okay. California, a girl went around asking people if they wanted cookies. She referred to them as pawpaw cookies. Turned out that she baked them from her grandfather's ashes and fed them to her friends. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what? Looking, uh, How old? Um, I was thinking it was sixth, sixth grade, but it is not sixth grade. Um, Yes, yeah, so, uh, someone, a student named Andy Knox at the Da Vinci Charter Academy in California said that two weeks ago I was about to go into my sixth period class, environmental science. I'm guessing somewhere in high school, maybe. And a girl who's in my class stopped me and asked if I wanted a cookie. I was like, well, sure, why not? And she said there's a special ingredient in it. So he was like, well, is it weed or something? And he's like, nah, it's my grandpa. And she said, no, it's my grandfather's ashes. Um, some of the kids that ate it actually knew that beforehand and still ate it. And they said, uh, you know, well, what did they taste like? And they said it didn't taste any different, but if you ever ate sand in a kid, you can kind of feel it crunching between your teeth. So that's bones, I'm assuming. So as this article from uh, The Concourse says, uh, if you're ever going to feed your friends, your loved ones, you have to at least get the mouthfeel down. You have to get the, get the right umami in your, your grandfather's cookies. So happy Halloween, guys. Uh, don't accept random cookies from people. Well, guys, I don't think you have any staff decisions this week. I do not. Negative. Not a huge amount going on other than just, you know, catching up on life and Halloween and all that fun stuff. However, I think we've briefly discussed it before, but I am a huge fan of urban legends. And I found a list on um, uh, TitleMax.com. I guess I don't know what they do, but TitleMax.com. And it was a list of the scariest urban legends by state. So you guys don't go and look at that because we're going to play a little bit of a game. We're going to try to guess... Where the urban legend is from, we're not going to do all 50 states. I just grabbed about 10 of them. Okay. okay. And you guys are going to try to guess where the urban legend is from. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> there might be some easy ones, and there also might be some, uh, you know, more difficult ones. So all right, let's, let's go. let us start off with the Kentucky Goblins. Uh, that's Kentucky. Jimmy gets It's a, a trick question. It's West Virginia. No, Jimmy got it right. The Kentucky Goblins... Uh, this happened in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. It was a encounter with a su- supposed extraterrestrial visit by a small goblin-like green hairless children with three toes. <laughs> wow. uh, while most skeptics easily dismissed them as owls, there have been a new wave of recent sightings of them on the other side of Kentucky. As owls? Yeah. How big are the freaking birds in Kentucky? Yet another reason to never... Why are they green? 
again, yet another re- the grass. Hey man, the grass there is blue, so why wouldn't the birds be green? C two and the brothers Reed are from Kentucky. They're coming here, right? All right, uh, November, I think. Yeah, can't wait. Hopefully, the keyboard player doesn't try and lick my face again. <laughs> oh, you loved it. Okay, so the um the licking keyboard player of Kentucky. No, um, Kentucky. Jimmy gets another one. Rob, are you even playing? So here we Wait, go. that was a real no. that was a real one? No, 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 no. No. Okay. So the Velisca Axe Murder House. The Velisca New York. Not New York. Um Massachusetts? No. This one is actually in Iowa. Based on real events, this nineteen twelve oh, cold wow. case features a whole family and two guests being bludgeoned to death in their sleep. The house has been the source of odd paranormal activity, mm. such as a ghost hunter stabbing himself in the chest in twenty fourteen. Ew. What? Wow. How did we not hear about that one? Uh, I don't know. Uh, so this one is actually was sort it of famous. Zach Beggins? No. I don't know who that is, but no. So this one, um, you've probably heard of the, the word, but you may not know where it's from. And if I spell it out for you, it might make it a little easier, but the Rue Garou. And that is oh. R-O-U-G-A-R-O-U. Louisiana. Boom. Yeah, uh, that is a pale white werewolf-like creature that prowls the swamps and stars in stories to encourage children to behave. And also, they hunt down Catholics who don't practice Lent. Oh, good. I'm glad there's one of those out yeah, there. Yeah, because God forbid a Catholic doesn't eat fish on Friday. It has to be hunted down by a, a albino werewolf. Okay, <laughs> moving on. One of my favorite, the Wendigo. Alaska. You know, I thought that too. This one I actually got wrong, even though I was reading it at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you're a nice little Wendigo. So it wasn't Alaska? It's not Alaska. Well, I know it now that you did that. Wow. Well. I can't. I already guessed. Do the accent again for Rob. Uh, now it's going to be lame. Oh, look at you, you nice little. Uh, now I turned Irish. I'm not Irish. <laughs> oh, hey there. <laughs> Hello, little Wendigo. You're in the wrong part of the world. Yes. So uh, definitely not an Irish Wendigo. Wendigo. Um, oh, yeah. The, eh? the Wendigo is a huge Twins fan. Let's put it that way. That's not going to help Rob either. He really likes the Vikings. <laughs> wow. Um, Rob, are you there? <laughs> there you are. <laughs> you, well, you, caught, you cut out oh. again. I lost so you. So what's new, guys? <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't even hear where the Wendigo was I from. Didn't, we haven't said it yet. Oh, oh, okay. I already guessed. I guessed Alaska, and it was wrong. And, and then Greg turned Irish, and it was really weird. I totally missed all of that. Damn. Okay. Well, the, the Wendigo. So he guessed wrong. So you get a free guess. And I, my, my hint was that the Wendigo is a very big Vikings fan. Minnesota. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Don't you know? Huh. I would not have guessed that the Wendigo. It, well, is it, is that just where the urban legend is, or is that because that can't that's be where, where the where the myth of the Wendigo? That's where the Native American tribe was that started that story. It's actually considered one of the oldest. Oh. Okay. Okay. So Kerwin is the Wendigo. Yeah. Good job. All right. Uh, so this one, this one I knew about. The Kerwindigo. <laughs> Boom. Got yes. it. There it is. And that's the name of the episode. Okay. So this one I knew about. Um, Charlie No Face. Where is Charlie? Pennsylvania. Boom. Yeah, it's got to be Pennsylvania. I was going to. Oh. Charlie No Face was real. Away. Yeah. Charlie No Face was real. Uh, he was a. Rumors of a murderous, faceless man roaming the streets at night were based on a real-life person. He actually um, touched a power line, and his face melted. And it was an extremely bad accident, obviously. His face completely melted. Um, and he wasn't 
a murderer. It just he knew he was scary looking and he didn't ever want to scare children. So he reset his life to only live at night. So he went outside at night and went on long walks and stuff so he could actually get fresh air. But he slept during the day because he didn't want to scare children. Oh, that's it. Now, did he still have eyes and stuff? Um, you can look him up. There's pictures of him. It's it. Uh, no, I don't believe so. He, it's, it's very. Uh, you're not going to get this reference, Rob. Very it reminds me a little bit of the wall, the the faceless things in the wall. But that is that. The next one, the Bunny Man. Where is the Bunny Man from? What state? Georgia. No. Arizona. No. Damn. I picked this one on purpose because the Bunny Man is from Virginia. I ain't never heard anything crazy like that. What part of Virginia? Clifton. I have no idea where that is. It's where the Bunny Man's from. Must uh, on be ha- on the <laughs> other side of the mountains. I'm going to check on that. Go ahead. Uh, on Halloween many years ago, a bus of transferring asylum inmates crashed, of course. With one of the inmates escaping for years, skinned, half-eaten rabbits were found hanging from trees near Bunny Bridge. Even after the supposed culprit died, eventually he allegedly attacked humans too, and bodies were strung up over the bridge. That is the very northern tip of Virginia. So very Probably close to West Denver. Virginia? Yeah. No, very cl- Actually, no. Other side. Very close uh, to uh, Washington, D.C. Gotcha. The Devil's Chair. That is in Florida. That is in Florida. Where in Florida, Jimmy? That is in the largest concentration of psychics and spiritualists in the U.S. That is Casadega. Boom. I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> uh, well, here's one, you, there. here's one you might know, of, at least by name, but we might not know where she is from. Annabelle the Demonic Doll. Massachusetts? Rhode Island. You don't get two guesses. I said Illinois. Oh, no. That is Monroe, Connecticut. We were close. Yeah. Rob was close. The um, devil's chair, by the way, um, if you sit into, if you, it says uh, it's full of odd ghosts, the Casadega area, and that one chair is supposed to be Satan's chair, obviously the name. If you sit into it, he'll whisper horrible things into your ear, forever changing you. And if you leave a beer on his chair overnight, he'll drink it. And sometimes even if the can is still sealed. Um, basically it's like sitting in a chair at Rob's house. So that's the devil's chair. And we're, we're going to go right. with, um, so he whispers things like you look fat in those pants. Yes. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. Um, <laughs> he's wearing a kilt. <laughs> that's why he went all Irish. The, the, this one's going to get dark quick. The dead children's playground. Ooh. Um, I am going to say, I'm going to say Georgia. That was pretty close. Very close. Alabama. Boom. There you go. That's a total guess. The, yeah, the ghosts of children um, come to this one playground. The swings move by themselves. You hear the sounds of children saying roll tide throughout the night. <laughs> and that is the, the dead children's <laughs> playground. And, oh. and, and the final one, which unless it's worth 300 points, <laughs> Jimmy, it's going to win. And, and this one I put in there because I think if you think about it hard enough that you might get it because... There's a lot of these things around this state, but it's not like, okay. but you wouldn't think of it unless you've kind of been there. The cursed pillar. There's a lot of those. Like, so there's a lot of pillars, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily, you know, if you've walked around the state, you've probably seen them. If you walk around certain cities in the state, you've seen them. Maine. No. Damn. Well, Washington, D.C.? Nope. That's actually a pretty good guess, but. That would be That's, that would be Georgia because I was thinking of you see a lot of pillars around like you know um, uh, Savannah. Savannah and Augusta. Mm-hmm. So the cursed pillar. After a preacher was told he could not deliver a sermon, 
next to the pillar, he declared the whole town would be destroyed. And of course, the whole town was. He also said that the pillar would be the only thing left standing. And of course, a freak tornado tornado destroyed most of Augusta. And the only thing left over was the pillar. This dude got pissed off because he couldn't preach next to a pillar. Yes. That's messed up, man. So it is one, two, three, four, four to two. So it wasn't actually that bad. So good work, guys. That was fun. That, again, was um, titlemax.com. There's a bunch more, obviously. There's there's 50 on here, so I didn't want to you know, bore you guys. But there's there's a bunch that I did not know about, and it's some pretty cool. Uh, there's apparently one called Ghost Elephants. So that's somewhere in, Hell yeah. somewhere in Illinois. Ghost Elephants. I'm going there. Check that out. It's very The art is very cool, too. Here we go, guys. So our first topic tonight, we are going to revisit Halloween Horror Nights, and we're going to talk about two more of the haunted houses that are the licensed haunted houses. Halloween 4. Yep, go ahead. And the horrors of Bloomhouse. And one of them, Rob really wants to talk about so much that he wanted to interrupt me. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say one of them is pretty good. The other one is pretty crap. That is accurate. So we are going to talk about, I think, the good one first. We're not going to spend too much time on this. No, no. Because it, it, it they're, they're relatively standard houses. Mm-hmm. But there are some fun little things in there for fans of the ver- of the films. So um, we'll start. Let's talk about Halloween Four, which we would, which I am assuming you also feel is one of the good ones. It is. It's not one of my four favorites, though. No, no. But it definitely it gets the feel of the movie down. Oh, absolutely. So, and they they did a really good job with the set design again in this house, like they all like they usually do with the movie properties. Mm-hmm. I almost said always, and they they screwed that up this year. Well, like here, they usually do with the properties. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that's interesting. It's like. Halloween 4 is as accurate as I think they could possibly get to the movie Halloween 4. Mm-hmm. And Halloween 4 is a fun movie, but I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite horror movies. So they did a great job you know, mimicking that movie, but that doesn't necessarily mean it, it's the best house or anything like that. It's like, there's a lot of, oh, that's cool. They saw that or they did that, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. make me want to say that's the, my favorite house there. Um, so just, you know, a little bit of the research I did on this before we kind of get into it. Um, they did pick the middle sequel, so to speak, of the Halloween franchise. Uh, they have done Halloween 1. They've done Halloween 2. They skipped Halloween 3, although there's been Easter eggs in all of the other houses, all the other Halloween mm-hmm. houses for Halloween 3. And if you guys out there don't know, Halloween 3 is a completely different story than all of the other ones. Season of the Witch. Yeah. And that is because they had actually planned on that all along. The first Halloween movie was supposed to be a standalone and it made the most money for an independent movie of all time at that time, and made, oh, wow. it made a ton really? of yeah. It it made a ton of money. It was an independent movie. Um, Jimmy, you can probably look that up if you want. Um, all right. So they had to make a Halloween two, and John Carpenter basically was like, "Well, that's not really what I had planned on doing," and left, and that's why Halloween three ended up kind of different. And then there was some script problems. There was some a bunch of other things. I'm sure there's some big horror fans out there that will tell me that I'm that I'm wrong. I think there were some script changes and all of the rights went back to um, Mustafa Akkad and Halloween 4 kind of continued the story, which we then eventually found out did not actually continue the story because of Halloween H2O, which basically got rid of that story. All right. So if I can interject interject real quick, I'm sorry to both of you. Um, It made $70 million worldwide. Um, 1978 today's equivalent of uh, 277 million. Uh, this from Wikipedia, selling almost 30 million tickets in 1978, becoming one of the most profitable independent films. Very yeah. cool. And the budget was you know next to nothing. 
three hundred something thousand. Yes. Now, now, Rob, you went back and watched Halloween four after. Okay. I did. I did. So I had tried to watch Halloween four before I went to the house just to see. Like, I like to to look at the movie and be like, okay, if I was designing this house, what would I put in there? Um, do you think that they did a good job there? Um, yeah, I think they did. Uh, there were scenes that I didn't remember. I know that I had seen Halloween four, but it was a long time ago, and I went back and rewatched it after I went through the house. And, and I think you had said it as well. There were, there were scenes in the movie that I didn't even remember were there. The the power plant being one of them. <laughs> yes. The power plant. I was like, what, how did we get here? And, and watching the movie, I will say it, it gave me a new appreciation of the, the speed of Michael Myers and how he seems to be, because the way the movie was cut, it really seems like he's like everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no like like uh, travel time for Mike Myers. He just kind of appears wherever he mm-hmm. wants to. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of that. There's also the uh, how slow it took that one guy to load a shotgun. Which sure, I mean nuts. Like if you're being hunted down, you're like, what are you doing? If you're being hunted down by by a serial killer and you you know you've shot both shells in your shotgun, you probably want to reload right away and not wait until you're stuck on a staircase. And and let him walk slowly, walk up the stairs. Fumbling cross the landing and then reach out and grab mm-hmm. your gun. You you might want to back up a little bit and, and make some more space. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there were some things that I saw in that house that I thought were really cool. And, and mimic went back to the movie uh, in the movie. There's a diner and on the walls of that diner, just inexplicably are just hundreds of pictures of Abraham Lincoln up on the walls. I don't know. I guess it's because of it being Illinois. Haddonfield is in Illinois. So that's, I'm assuming why. And they actually, in hmm. one of the rooms okay. in the haunted house, they have a bunch of pictures of Abraham Lincoln framed on the wall, which I thought was kind of a cool callback. It let you know, that, yeah, really? it let you know that they didn't really, they, they sat there and watched the movie a few times, obviously. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the things I love about the haunted houses is how much de- how much attention they mm-hmm. pay to detail. And, and they pull out some of the smaller things and you're like, oh man, that's cool that they noticed that and actually went to the effort. Like to a, put something it on a desk or like the, the Mickey Mouse phone and the American wearable uh, American werewolf um, house, you know, just little mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually basically take you through the movie with this. If you've seen Halloween four, you know that Michael Myers starts off all bandaged up because of in Halloween two, he was, he was blown up in a hospital. So he starts in the hospital. Yeah. Um, uh, Jen told, told me that they actually nailed the hospital smell um, in the, in that room, yes. like that kind of mm-hmm. death, not anesthesia, uh, sanitizer smell. Yeah. Sterile, yeah, sterile. So you got that. Um, having watched the movie again, I went to the house, then I watched the movie, then I went back to the house. Seeing Michael Myers in the bed, you kind of like, like I was looking at the hand, waiting for it to start twitching, like in the movie, kind of neat. Uh huh. Um, one of the favorite kills of all of the Halloween movies, you know, yes, the shotgun through the chest. Yes, the the less than yes, point blank where they, range, where rather than shooting the person, they shove the shotgun through the person's chest. That is there. And, you know, it's the thing I, for some reason that I, that got me the most in that house was Jamie, the the little girl. Cause I had forgotten about her being in the movie, which is, which is something, really? which is weird, but there's the little mannequins of Jamie look so much like the Jamie in the movie that I immediately was like, Oh yeah. And it's the hair, I think. Yeah. Um, so Jamie is what, uh, Danielle, I forget her name now, which I would have not forgotten it from, uh, the little girl from the last boy scout. And she's in like a ton of horror movies. Um, she is a, a yes, yes. scream queen. 
she was in um, Stakeland, yep. actually, which is one of my favorite, you know, one of the most kind of original uh, vampire movies. That's what it is. Danielle Harris. She's she's very cool. She loves she loves horror movies. She's in a bunch of them, but she's she's fully embraced. Yeah. you know that that role. And she is a, a little kid when they filmed this movie, and they she's dressed up as a clown. Mm-hmm. And there's you know some some twists if you haven't seen Halloween four. And they they get that into the house, so it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. As an aside, of course, you guys have probably heard me say it. My my neighbor is one of the scare actors in that house, and decided to aim it, aim the, a shotgun at me. He was the guy on the stairs with the shotgun, not the one, not the person with the shotgun through her her chest, I believe, but the the person that had the shotgun, and that's how Michael Myers gets the shotgun. Um, and he saw me come through the house and aimed said shotgun at me, and you know reacted with such kickback to try to like overact and ended up bruising his shoulder. So I think I won that battle. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh no. It's possible. He's going to burn your house down. Uh Oh, so that's the, so then on from, from a actually pretty good house. It's, it's like I said, it's not my favorite, but it's, it's a very well done house to probably the weakest house at this year's event. And that would be Blumhouse. Would would you agree I, I with do, that actually. assessment, Greg? I, I do have to go through it again. I've only been through that one once, but I've I've been through it. I've only been through it twice, and that's just because I, I really didn't like it. To to me, the house really seems like it was kind of hastily mm-hmm. thrown together and rushed. Like I, I don't see a lot of the and and that might be partly because I haven't really seen the movies yeah, so it's that based, it's based on, on. Uh, Happy Death Day and the First uh, Purge. Correct. And so I haven't really seen those movies. However, it. It, it 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 just has a different feel to it, and it it doesn't look as polished mm. as the it seems other like houses. that. Whatever house ends up in that back corner in that what queue is that? Is it like by Men in Black? Um, it's it's in between Men in okay. Black and the Fear Factor stage, and and the queue like takes you through like some kids ride line. But um, yeah, those houses have never been great for some reason, and it's weird because we've talked about the Bloomhouse movies as being good. But um, Happy Death Day is basically Groundhog's Day with mm-hmm. a murderer, and I get that. And it's I watched it, and it's you know, it's pretty fun. I think it's on HBO. You can get it. You can get it for free on HBO right now. And in the movie, the sorority girl wakes up, and she basically goes throughout the day, gets murdered, wakes up again, goes throughout the day, gets murdered. Same thing over and over again. She has to figure out who killed her and why they're trying to kill her. And it's actually kind of a fun movie. But the haunted house takes you through the same sequence over and over and over again. And it can seem a little, I don't want to know if it's lazy, but you know, after a while you're like, wait, it's the same room. The people like, I want to see more stuff. Um, they do have a cool parking garage scene in there, which is also from the movie, which I liked. So that was pretty good. I, I will say in their, in their defense, um, it does, it does appear at least, at least on the outside that this was a last minute addition. I think I think it's possible that they had another house idea planned and something happened and it fell through. Um, I don't know if you noticed, Greg, but if you look at the t-shirts, every year they put out a t-shirt that lists mm-hmm. all of the houses on the back. Um, it's like a collector's t-shirt, you know, and it says, you know, Halloween Horror Nights on the front and on the back. The it, art. It, it has like, um, yeah. like little logos, the art and the logos for each of the house. The Blumhouse house is not on the shirt. And there's an item listed on the What's shirt that, that is not a house. Uh, the harvest. Uh, 
there's there's an entry there called the harvest and i don't know if that first area where they where they have like all their haunted houses up if that, that's that called the harvest is, or not that scare zone i think you're right the harvest what? i think might have spo- was supposed to be a house and then they made it into a scare zone but it doesn't make it doesn't make sense that that would be a scare zone for, based and, on the rest of the theming of the whole thing too right and the the only thing i can figure was was that the harvest sounds like it was probably um cornfield or like uh plant related and since they already had one of those with seeds of extinction which by the way is one of the stronger houses this year um maybe they decided to scrap it just because they didn't want too many um yeah you know it could be true. similar products out there so that may be what happened but blumhouse the reason blumhouse it's possible that the reason blumhouse looks like it was hastily thrown mm-hmm. together is because it's possible that it was uh, the thing I noticed about Happy Death Day was that having walked through it before I saw the movie, I was like, wow, the posters in this room are really cool. And I thought they were just random posters, uh, one of which being a retro wave Back to the Future style poster, as well as a few other very cool band posters. And then I watched the movie and realized that every single one of the posters is directly out of the movie. Um, yeah. So I was like, oh, OK. So all oh, the posters really? in the room are in the same spot and the room looks the same. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's actually kind of a fun movie. Um, I, I actually would suggest it, and it did way better than I thought it would. Happy Death Day, like it, it um, and it's it just it's just okay. fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it did. It's it's kind of like less of a horror movie because you know that she's going to come back to life every time, and she just kind of welcomes death. You know, it's like, oh, here we go again, and she you know she'll she does the thing where like you know the first couple times she sees someone like standing in a the yard and the sprinklers come on and she kind of laughs at them like she's like the sorority girl type, um, and, and then next few times she's like, oh maybe I need to help these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like the same Groundhog Day thing. Uh, the the actually this is another kind of interesting thing. The movie Happy Death Day was written by um, a comic book writer who used to write X Men in the uh, in the like nineties, I believe Scott Lobdell. Yeah, Scott Lobdell. So I saw the name and, I, really? and he wrote he wrote a ton of stuff uh, X Men and Generation X and like all this stuff. Uh, he's definitely way older than the people he's writing for and. I've always wondered, like, every time they do sorority stuff or fraternity stuff, and ha- I was in one, they never get it right. It's almost like they watch a bunch of movies about them and are like, oh, this is the way it is. A fraternity. I said fraternity. You were in a sorority? I said, oh. I said sorority stuff and fraternity no, stuff. I, yes. I, mean, I don't think did. you said. And I was, I was in a fraternity, and yeah, it's oh. it, they don't get it right. It's, like, it's not nearly as as overly cheesy as that. I mean, I, admittedly, I was only in there for a bunch of people to like, you know, play football with and for good parking spots for the football games. This is really football related, but um, they they never write that. They never write college like social life right, especially when they like a fifty year old dude do it. So um, that's just one part of the house. The other part of the house is, of course, um, the purge, the first purge, and there's really not much to say about it, right, Rob? So, but what did you think about the purge one? Like, it just kind of is. A thing. I didn't. I didn't see the first purge either. Yeah, so it's just kind of what you, it's the same as every other purge thing. It's just you know people in scary masks. Yeah, pretty much. I I can't tell the difference between the purge between the purge movies. Yeah, like the the cool thing is, I guess, really the the metal cage when you first get to the purge area with all the TVs like white fuzz, and then the uh, the warning like the purge is about to begin. That thing. That's about it. So if you only have the opportunity to go to Halloween Horror Nights for one night, um, you can probably skip the Bloomhouse House. Unless you're like the world's biggest Happy Death Day or Purge fan, but um, I would I would go to some of the more fun houses like uh, Slaughter Cinema 
and see the destruction and the carnival one. Just and I would go to those before I would go to the Bloomhouse house. Uh, well, that takes us away from the haunted houses, and we are now going to talk about Venom. However, I have not yet seen Venom, so I'm going to step away and let my lovely co-hosts talk about. Away that. with you! Have fun, guys. <laughs> what are we gonna do without you? I don't. We'll probably be lost. What are we talking about? So what's new, Venom. guys? Anything new, guys? <laughs> All right. So the movie Venom, starring Tom Hardy, and really only Tom Hardy, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I mean he he was he was the the main focus of the movie to begin with, and mm-hmm. a lot of the interaction was between him and the symbiote Venom. But he, I mean, he did an excellent job in this movie. He usually does, but he was really good. I liked it. Yeah, I, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, the movie directed by Ruben Fleischer is smashing, uh, currently smashing all expectations. It's, uh, I believe, I read that it's opening weekend estimate was 80 million and it hit 200 million. Oh, wow. So I am super happy about that because we'll talk a little bit later about what it's setting up. I, I think it's entirely possible that, that once again, Marvel found it first. Um, well, no, I guess that's not entirely true. I was going to say Marvel found it first, but Marvel did it right first Mm -hmm. again um because i think that there's a huge untapped market and people really want to see the villains i mean as as much as people like their superheroes they love their villains yeah and mm, uh, all right so elephant the room you're talking about carnage well no i mean even venom himself is considered a villain considered yeah um and like i like i've always said he's not your prototypical villain he's kind of more of like your anti-villain villain like like mm-hmm. deadpool is an anti-hero hero he's a hero yeah. but he's not quite a hero you know what i mean or he's not quite a hero but he is a hero villains not, or venom is not quite a villain but he is a villain he's like the hero that none of the other superheroes want to acknowledge as a hero okay. it's like uh, i don't want to be around that guy well he's i think he's considered a villain just because yeah. him and spider-man go at it and spider-man is is a baby face exactly to use yeah. a wrestling term. no that's true um so, so you know sony did it with with deadpool like you said and now with venom and um i had read and we actually discussed it on the show i had read months ago about the um after the credit scene and i was fearful of the way people were talking about this movie and saying, Oh, it's horrible. You know, it's not going to make that much money. And I was like, man, if it doesn't make that much money, then we're never going to see carnage in a venom movie, but we're going to see a carnage in a venom movie. Yeah. And man, I can't wait. So as far as, I mean, what did you like about the movie? What did you not like about it? And this is going to sound really, really stupid, but okay. The biggest thing about the movie that I that I loved and that really stood out to me was Venom's voice. Yes. I thought they did such an excellent job with portraying how I would think Venom should sound. Oh, I definitely agree with that. And 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 it's weird that of the whole movie that's what stood out to me the most, but that I absolutely loved that. And and the way that they made him sound was just was just fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Venom would be a great death metal vocalist. Yes. 
<laughs> um, I love the interaction between Venom and and Eddie Brock. Yeah, Eddie Brock. Yeah, it, it, Tom Hardy did just such a great job. He took this this role that maybe maybe was could be considered beneath him and just made it his own. I mean, Eddie Brock's this like loser, you know, and um, the conversations that they had were just so damn funny. And uh, yeah. even humanized Venom. There was there was a scene there where um, Venom was talking about his plans. We'll say that. And what changed his mind that I was like, oh, Venom. And it really kind of felt something for him. <sighs> and throughout the whole movie, you're you're it's weird because you're kind of feeling sad for Eddie Brock because he's kind of been crapped on. Yeah. But in the beginning of the movie, you realize that it is 100% completely his fault. Yeah. Like, like everything that happened to him happened to him because of decisions that he consciously made. He knew was wrong and he did it anyway. And he's basically paying the consequences for it. And it's like, well, you know, you kind of deserve that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he basically, I mean, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it here, but he basically got his girlfriend fired from her job because he used her. Yep. And it was like, wow, you're, you're really kind of a douchebag, dude. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he goes through her email and uses what he finds for a and she, story because and, he's and got she's a lawyer and she's mm -hmm. a lawyer. So she's privileged to certain information. Or yeah. she she has access to certain information that's supposed to be just between her and her client. And he goes through her email and finds this information and ends up using it to, to make a story. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, what? Okay. Well, you, you kind of deserve everything you're getting right now. <laughs> yeah. When she walks out of the room and it's got like the email, mm -hmm. the inbox is sitting there. I'm like, don't, don't, man. There's no coming back from that. Well, but she didn't did walk anyway. out of the room. He did it while she was in asleep in bed. Remember, he got up uh, in the middle of the night and okay. sat down at her laptop and and saw that you know she had email. And then he was like, "Oh, should I go in?" Should I? And he keeps looking over his shoulder, wondering if she'll wake up and come into the kitchen. And I'm like, "Don't do it! Don't do!" Oh. And then when he went and used that information, I'm like, "Dude, what?" Yeah, exactly. Not a not a good look. And then he and then he had the nerve to like be like surprised that she walked away from him. And it's like, how how did you not see that coming? I don't. <laughs> so yeah, and it's overall... really not. Go ahead. It's really not like that result did much of anything except get her fired, get him fired. And it wasn't until later that right. re well, I, I wouldn't even say his reasoning, but the the very thing at the heart of it all was that he was correct. He just went about it in like shitty ways. The ends do not necessarily justify the means. Yes. And and he certainly paid for it. Um and and I and I like that he was put in those situations because of his own decisions and that he had to live with the consequences of what he had what he had done. Yep. Now it, he has to live with uh go ahead. It it kind of made him more more human of a character, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get that. Because I, I, I've always known Eddie Eddie Brock to be, you know, from what I've read, most recently I read Venomverse, and he's just this airhead jerk. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just this meathead, 
you know, but uh, Tom Hardy, I, I think really, I'm going to say humanized again, but um, he, he really made you feel, I think, deeper about the character of Eddie Brock. And, and all in all, it was, I, I, I think everything from the interaction to Venom between Venom and Eddie Brock, the interaction with the villain, the interaction with his, with his ex-girlfriend and, and her boyfriend, which actually made for some really funny, uh, it damn some sure really did. funny scenes. Um, it, it was just a really well-written movie. I agree with that. Um, everybody that, hey, I mean, ugh, critics just shit all over it. Well, but critics and don't it, watch movies to enjoy movies. Exactly. And even people online, like I was reading on some of the uh, pages that I go to, people are like, oh, this movie sucked and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, it was a fun movie. It, it really was. You know, um, comedically, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, crass like Deadpool. But, I mean, I thought Venom's, like, eating habits were hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, th- and then both Eddie Brock and, um, and his girlfriend having to deal with it after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. She goes, I bit somebody's head off. I ate that guy's head. <laughs> he goes, yeah, he does that. He does that. And that conversation that they had about, like, mm-hmm. um, you can't just bite anybody's head off. And Venom couldn't understand. Well, why? And he was like, you don't bite the heads off of good people. Venom's like, how do you know they're good? He's like, well, you don't bite the heads off of, like, women and children and police officers. And then he, uh, there was, there was a moment at that last interaction with the guy who was demanding protection money. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, oh, come on, don't let him off. And he goes, you know, think again? I'm yep. going to bite your head off. And he yep. <laughs> just, I was like, yes. I think people in the crowd actually cheered for that. Yeah. Um, what Now, what didn't you like about the movie? Was there, you said overall it was really well written. It, it, it really was. It really was. Um, mm. The I, I know that one of the problems that I have with a lot of movies is like villain motivation. Um, yeah. While... Mm-hmm. while this villain doesn't have the it, I, I want to separate his motivation from the you know just take over the world because I want to take over the world kind of thing um, even though that's essentially what he wants <laughs> it's it is a little bit different I guess mm-hmm. um, he's, he's kind of like bringing in his own core of body snatchers basically and yeah and the the battle the battle between them at the end, while it was super cool, mm-hmm. uh, it I don't know it it felt kind of like cheating, I guess. At the end, I can agree with that. Okay, um, I felt that, yeah. I mean, I felt that there were there was more to be desired from that, and that's that's being real picky because, like you said, it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, no, come on. Like, can you fight longer? Give me more special effects. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turn your hands into more things. You know, make your hand into a pizza and punch him with it. Um, I found the the villain, like you said, the villain's motivation. I thought the villain was pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was probably the weakest part of the movie. Um, that being said, though, mm-hmm. the... The symbiote villain may have been the weakest part of the movie 
Yeah, but I didn't the, really. But the human mm-hmm. villain I thought was actually pretty good. I mean, you really gen. I I really hated him during the movie. I'm like, God, this guy's such a dick. I hated him very early on when you you find out pretty quickly that the dude's motivation is not good. Right, he's a total jack wagon. Yeah, um, I I just found it weak. It, as in, you didn't get much explanation with Riot being there. Right, and I was like, oh man, like maybe we'll see him again. I don't know. But we got carnage coming, man. We do. We do. And one thing that I, one thing I will say mm-hmm. that I didn't quite understand was it seemed like several of the or it seemed like the symbiotes could hone in and find their perfect genetic matches. And if that's the case, why were they having such a hard time with uh, the other ones? You know what I mean? Oh, uh, well, I mean, they were they were just shoving people in there. Well, who but, a match. But Riot was, Riot was able to hold on long enough to transfer bodies like two or three times. And it's not like he was dying in, in like, you know, 30 seconds like these other ones were. I mean, is that... Oh, yeah, is, no. Riot, Riot traveled the globe. Is that a factor of Riot just being stronger or... Probably. Cause, cause they, didn't really, mean, they didn't really explain it. So that was that was one of the lacking points of the movie. Yeah. I mean, what does, you know, a woman, you know, wherever they, they crash landed goes to the airport transfers to a little girl i don't know maybe maybe right could just exist in any form in any body maybe um i'm sure greg might actually have some some comments on that being the the comic book nerd mm-hmm. but he's stepped away because he doesn't want it spoiled what a loser yeah so uh you got any more to say about it not a ton it's it's a great yeah. movie it's a lot of fun you should go check it out don't listen to the critics like I like I've said numerous times, critics don't really go to movies to enjoy movies. Critics go to movies to analyze movies and critique movies. So you're not going to get a an honest review from a critic unless you're looking at it from a filmmaker standpoint. Then yeah. then you may want to listen to the critics, but for the most part, critics don't really watch movies to enjoy movies, and you're not going to get a enjoyment review from a critic. You say full price movie. Five dollar movie or dollar theater, full price or rental. It's full a price. price. Agreed. It's a full price. Agreed. Movie. That is a total go out with your friends. There's you know, there is definitely enough make action a night out of it. There's enough action and enough big screen effects to warrant seeing it on a big screen. Did it move as fast for you as it did for me? I got up, you know, after the in credit scene, and I was like, man, give give me another hour of that. I I think it just seemed like it moved really. I think the movie was about the right length, honestly. Yeah, it. Um, I'm trying to say is it 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 was about the right length, but I was like, oh, oh, that's it. I'm so used to seeing like damn three hour long movies in the theaters Mm -hmm, now. You know, mm -hmm. I hate that. So something like that to come along is really refreshing. Well, yeah, but unless you find those movies that are like, oh my god, that was three hours. I need more. I need more. Yeah. But cool. it, it's a, it's a great movie. It's worth seeing in the theater. I would go see it. Absolutely agreed. Get there a little bit earlier. Get a good seat. Um, the sound, the effects. It was it was all the writing. Tom Hardy, God, put him in the category for whatever awards. Fantastic. Awesome. And we will uh, summon Greg back to the the podcast. <laughs> And I'm back. How did it go? We did I not. Did. I just did. F up. Uh, you have to say my name three times into a mirror to summon me back. 
Um, I'm not doing that. Mixmaster Marcus, Mixmaster Marcus, Mixmaster Marcus. Hello there. No, no, no. It's Glitter Greg, Glitter Greg, Glitter Greg. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm happy to say that we did not F up. And uh, yeah, just don't listen to that 18 minutes. <laughs> Excellent. I, I don't think we need you. Up next, we have our review of the new album by one of our favorite groups, Gunship. Gunship is Tim Haig, Alex Westaway on vocals, and Alex Gingell on drums. Hope I'm saying that correctly. It's uh, been described as, I think from them, um, as a neon-soaked late-night sonic getaway drive dripping with luscious analog synthesizers, cinematic vocals, and cyberpunk values exploding from the front cover of a dusty plastic VHS cage, cage case, which has lain forgotten since 1984. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, it is. And it's, a, it's just a great album. It is. Um, there's not a single track on this album that I, that I would skip. There's, there's something on the album for everyone. Yeah. There's something for every mood too. You know, like yes, th- there's a couple songs, uh, Thrasher, for example, like I was driving to, to work. I actually had to skip it cause I was, uh, as I was driving, I, I realized <laughs> I was going way faster than I should have. Yeah. There's Thrasher, the drone racing league. Um, of course, dark all day featuring Tim Capello and in Indiana. You can check out our episode 50 interview with Tim Capello. Yes. Which is one of the reasons very, why very we cool were guy. able to reach out to him because we, you know, there mm-hmm. was a lot of interest in the fact that he did a song with them. Um, this out al- before we get into the, the deeper part of the album, sure. um, this album had a really, really cool marketing campaign um, between the image, of course, that had all of the that you mentioned on this show, where it had a bunch of names and stuff like that. Uh, the video arcade game, which we did not win. That they that they brought out the song from uh, well not from but the song inspired by um, Ready Player One Ready Player One yeah so they had that which a, a lot of people you know got introduced to it by that we heard some of our students for example talking about it um, they had that and then there was they were kind of all over the place and it worked um, I don't know did you see the charts for this album I've seen uh, tweets from them yeah it hit number fifteen. Um, in the wow. overall charts in England, which is crazy. Oh, in like all of the charts? Yes. Like, like, not, like just, a... not just dance, not just wow. synthwave. It hit 15 in, in England. Um, it is currently at 49, which is, which is good, you know, considering mm-hmm. um, it's self-released and all that stuff. Um, you know, in, in iTunes, it got up to 20 in America. So it did really well. It basically charted in United Kingdom, United States, Germany, France, Canada, and Australia. So it's doing very, very well in a, for a genre that not a lot of people know about. So good for you guys. Great music and good marketing campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know Tim Haig, um, let me bring up his bio real quick because it's pretty amazing. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I've I've been saying Tim Haig, Dan Haig. That's fine. Now he can angrily write a letter to us. Why did I write Tim Haig? Is that what we were talking about? Tim, our coworker, maybe? Tim Capello. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least, you know, my motivation was right. I apologize to Dan Haig. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> Love you. Love your music. Um, Dan Haig is an English musician, film director, video game designer, writer, and visual effects artist. Uh, he is uh, behind Horsey in the Hedge, uh, developer of the Warble app, which I've seen um, a lot of people using on Instagram. 
it's a like living photo filter. Oh, okay. So dude is, is brilliant. Um, he, I mean, he busts his ass on everything he does and it, it just, man, it's super nice. It, it really comes through. Yeah. Really nice. Really nice guys. So do you want to get down into the nitty gritty of the uh, album? Yeah. Kind of track by track real quick. Uh, you know, little snippets. Not, we're not playing Break them. Break it down. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Break it down. So I think, as we said before, it's a very diverse album. And there's, we are going to mention probably this song reminds me of this or the song reminds me of that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it's a touch point. And um, so, yeah, yep. I guess go through, go through is, uh, you know, pretty quick. All right. Track one. Uh, Woken Furies. It's a great opening song for now. It, it mm-hmm. slowly leads you in. It's got, of course, some sound effects and quit some movie clips, things like that, but it definitely pulls you into the album. It sets the tone for the world. Um, you know, you can be driving in the, well, as I was, you could be driving on completely flat ground with nothing but palm trees and hundred and something degree heat. And you can feel like you're kind of in a, uh, a rainy city just based on that opening track. Yep. Really sets the tone for the rest of the album. Uh, track number two is dark all day featuring Tim Capello and in Indiana, <laughs> Dan Capello, <laughs> You know, I was so concerned about saying uh, Dan Higgs' last name correctly. Um, <laughs> that you said his first name incorrectly. That you got his first name wrong? Yeah. Oh. And hopefully I am saying Hegg correctly because I've You've, you've asked about that a few times. I wasn't. Um, I have. Yeah, we've I talked get about it right. a lot. So, yeah. So we won't, you know, um, talk too much more about it. You can, like I said, listen to episode 50 with... Yeah, I think uh, it's like, let's say, um, in just a few words, uh, vampires, vampire hunters, saxophone, and great vocals. Yes. Uh, cool. Track number three. Early, that was another early release. I didn't dice. quite understand it at first. That one. But then it grew on me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, from from a Breakfast Club quote, I believe? Yeah, Ali Sheedy. Her character says that. And um, when, I first, when I first read it, I was like, oh, man. Like, I don't want to grow up. Yeah. And that's the point of it. As Walt Disney himself said, quote, never grow up. Um, because when you allow yourself to grow up and you stop having fun and you stop liking what you're doing, um, and you stop doing those things that connect you to being a child, then your heart dies. And you're just another sad sack just walking around going through the motions. Growing old is inevitable. Growing up is optional. And that's from you? I don't know if that's from anywhere. I I don't know. I like it. Rob either said the most deep thing he's ever said, or he just accidentally plagiarized some movie that he saw one time. I don't (laughs) think he did. Oh, yeah. No, that's a line from Um, Hudson Hawk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. We, we, we missed out on the window of submitting a video to this. You can check out the video when you grow up, your heart dies. It is a fun, fun romp through you know movies of the the 80s and there's a little bit of wayne's world in there which just warms the yes. cockles of my heart because um, if you listen to this show at all you know my answer to everything yes. is wayne's world uh the drone racing league yeah drone racing league um it's a hard-hitting track you know i i think it dips its toes in a bit of darkness uh there's a part um where alex westaway's voice uh becomes distorted as he says uh like push pull harder um and it gets pretty intense there so 
you know, it's one of my favorite tracks. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this song. It's it's good. It's a great song. Not overly groundbreaking. Um, what's odd is after the football game, I think the Sunday night football game was over, I was showering, and I left the door open, and I could, like, the TV went off, and the next thing that I guess was on on that particular channel was a drone racing league. And I was like, man, you guys are missing out on an awesome soundtrack for your driving drones around, like, some arena. Yeah, right. So that, um, and then uh, Rise of the Midnight Girl. And what do you have to say about that one? Um, I said it was crawling and dark. Yeah, it's dark. It's it's very dark. It kind of uh, it's edgy. It, it really somehow it's a good connecting song between Drone Racing League and Thrasher, even though it doesn't seem like it would be. Yeah, it's it's yeah no I, I yeah that's that's a good point because it's like high high energy and then sort of a, a lull and then high energy again. Yeah, I, I love the the writing in it. There's a line you know, when I talked about it. It gets a little dark. Um, it says, uh, there's a monster. It's got me trapped on the other side, but this monster has become my home. There's a monster. It's got me trapped on the other side, but this monster has become my home. So anyway, um, Thrasher, which I already mentioned, that's the one that you really should not drive through, drive to, if you're trying to not get a ticket. Yep. Uh, also, I believe that one is the only one that has a swear word in it. And, and it, it does have the F word is very isolated. <laughs> And it will come on at the exact point that you realize your child is listening to the radio. Yeah. So, oh no. Uh, the word, the song Thrasher did teach my child the F word while I was using, I was listening to that album while mopping <gasps> up copious quantities of Frenchy pee from the kitchen floor. My life sucks. Oh wow. Gunship has taught your child the F word. Yes. All right. And did he hear it and then just kind of start wandering around around the house saying no, it repeatedly? No, uh, I, I'm thankfully, I, I don't think he picked up on it yet, but I have to be careful that it doesn't, whenever that song comes on, I do have to bump past it if he's in the car. He's going to say, daddy, I yeah. need a hero. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, the kid, I think this is what the kids would call a banger. I don't know. I, that might be right. I don't know. We'll have to oh my God, have a focus group. so old when you say Thank that. You. <laughs> I appreciate He's younger that. than us. Um, yeah. Dan Haig shared a clip of this, um, I want to say a few months ago. And um, at first I did not like, I did not like it because it, it gets a little shouty. And I know, God, I know coming from me. Yeah, true. Captain Death Metal. The, de <laughs> the Death Metal. I'm like, I don't like the shouty parts in it. Um, but man. I wish it was more melodic. <laughs> I wish, I. oh man, I, uh, not wish, but it's it's grown on me so much, and uh, I wrote not a good song to drive to. <laughs> so we're, we're on the same page there? Absolutely. Uh, the first song I listened to when I got this album is, I mean, other than the ones I already knew, because I, I knew like what three or four of them at the point that we got the album. Uh, the first one that I listened to is Black Blood Red Kiss, because I was wondering about Kat Von D as a vocalist. Yeah, you're like, man, what's this going to be like? Yeah, because I knew of her as an artist, I knew of her as a tattoo artist, I knew of her as being, I think, dating... Nikki Six for a while, if I remember correctly. Yes, and you know I really like, really, really like this song, regardless of who's singing it. And yeah, I do too. As I said when I first heard it, I, I it does not sound too much like Gunship. It actually sounds like the band Crosses. If you guys know Cross, well, you did, and I was like, who the hell is that? And I was like, oh my, oh Chino, I'm so sorry. Yeah, the, the band Crosses. They're 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 called that, but like their symbol is actually just some crosses. Makes it really yeah. freaking hard to find on an iPod, by the way. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, fun fact we talked about a few weeks ago: uh, the song "Goodbye Horses." Mm -hmm. Crosses covered it. 
absolutely fantastic. Check them out. But I, I really enjoy this track as well. Um, I was very curious to see how, you know, Kat Von D, I'd never heard of Kat Von D being on any albums or, or never heard her sing or anything. And I think it's just very, very cool. It's a very good track. Uh, and then, of course, the next song, not that I, I mean, I didn't mean to jump right to it, but uh, it was a cover song, Time After Time, which I like a lot. Um, I don't, it doesn't break new ground, but it's a, it was, I don't know, it's just, it, he took the song and made it into, or they took the song and made it into kind of its own thing. So I really enjoy that. Uh, if, any feelings on that one? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I put the album on. I was driving down the street. I got to a light. Um, I got to Aloma and Old Hell Branch. And the song had just started to kick up and I go, why do I feel like I should be crying right now? <laughs> I had no idea this cover was on the album. I had no idea. So I, you know, I listened to, you know, Bluetooth and I, um, I don't have one of those fancy radio players that shows the artist name. I was at a red light. It's okay. So I pick up my phone and I, I click the, you know, screen on button and I just see time after time. And I was just like, <gasps> and I teared up Aww. because God bless them for covering that. It's such a beautiful song and they did it justice. So next track, uh, we got just a few more left here. Honor Among Thieves. Any thoughts on that? The thing is, like, I don't know some of the songs to the, at the later part of the album, the songs to the, um, the titles other than Artemis and Parsifal. Mm -hmm. So Honor Among Thieves, Symmetrical, Cyber City, and The Gates of Disorder. Um, I'm not sure which is which at that point. Yeah, it's I cool. Know, I, I just know I like them all. Honor Among Thieves uh, features female vocals. It, it doesn't say who on there. Um, I could look more into it, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I just jotted down. It's just a good song with pulsing bass lines. Um, it is very much a track that is uh, – Warm weather driving to the coast with the windows down, the top of your convertible down, and uh, the sun setting over the horizon. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very cool track because it almost kind of makes you feel the warm breeze in your hair. Oh. Yeah, I think that works. Why did you say so, oh? No, nothing. Okay. Uh, next track is Artemis and Parzival, and that features Stella LePage as um, Artemis. And um, Parzival is played by Alex Westaway. Or voiced by Alex Westaway. Um, it's, it's a track influenced by the book Ready Player One. They released it right around the time that the movie came out. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And it, you know, it's one of those songs that you've, you heard it around the time in the movie. I associate it with the movie and now I hear it again on the album and I'm like, oh yeah. Like, not that I wasn't listening to it the entire time. It just like, it reset the song for me. Yeah. I, I get you. Um, I'm going to say this and hell yeah, I mean it. It's it's a better rendition or a better uh, imagining of the book than the movie is. Mm -hmm. If I listen to that song and I close my eyes, it's a better picture than the movie. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I said it. Although I still like the movie a lot. I just happen to like the song. Mm, I like the song better than I like the movie. Symmetrical, uh, the, my favorite track on the album. So which one is that? Like, I know the last the last three I get kind of mixed up. You're going to make me sing it? It's like symmetrical. Oh. You're good. You don't have to. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm no Alex Westaway, but it's a dreamy love song. It's it's just, I think it's a beautiful song. It's my favorite one on the album. Nice. And then Cyber City. Cyber City is a very wet and futuristic track. 
Yeah. Okay. So that one I, I kind of know. Yeah. LA rainy city type vibes. Mm-hmm. Cool track to work to. Yes. I was doing some, some futuristic artwork today and I was listening to that actually. Nice. Gates of Disorder is another good one for that. It's a good close to the yeah, album. Yeah, I was going to say, Wilkin Furies uh, opens the album very well, and Gates of Disorder closes it very well. So it's, I think it's... Uh... Closes the gates on this one. Oh. No, that was Thank a win. You. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Either one works. Uh, slow and deep. It's an atmospheric and yeah, emotional yeah. Yes. track. Um, it, it's, a, it's a good way to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I say emotional... Um, it's just listen to the lyrics, you know. It's a goodbye track. I agree. So, um, the album is available everywhere, right? It's available on Amazon. It's available mm-hmm. on Bandcamp. It's where I got it. Uh, it's yeah. available probably through their website. So, please, please get it. Please listen to a couple of tracks and let us know what you think. So, next up on the list is going to be a Netflix original series or a Netflix original movie, actually. And I, I got to say. Uh, Netflix in general has been hitting it out of the park. Um, yes. This one, I, I have to say, was kind of a miss for me. And I, okay. uh, I'll tell you why. Um, well, actually, d- d- Jimmy, you want to give him a brief synopsis real quick? Well, first of all, it's called Hold the Dark, which we didn't actually say yet. Um, oh, we said that earlier. Hodark. <laughs> yeah. Or or Hodark, as um, my arch nemesis has coined. Um, so, yeah, Hold the Dark. Uh, go ahead. Give a quick rundown. We're going to go quick on this one guys because we've we've uh talked a little bit long so go ahead yeah starring jeffrey wright who you might recognize as bernard from westworld and alexander skarsgård who starred in the movie mute that we covered uh core played by jeffrey also eric in um true blood Blood. yeah uh core which i never watched core is played by jeffrey wright he's a hunter and naturalist who receives a letter from my grieving mother asking for him to kill the wolf responsible for the death of hers and other children. So it's, uh, would you say it's a slow burn? Yes. Very slow I, burn, right? I, w- I that- would say that it's that it's just slow. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't much of a burn. I think somebody forgot to lit the match. It forgot is. to light the match. Sure. I, yeah, I can understand that. Um, first thing I noticed about this was everyone is so freaking sad like all the time like all the time everybody's sad like uh core he's super sad he goes out there he's like i don't really want to kill a wolf you know like but the the woman crazy woman she has him stay over at his house she walks out completely naked and nothing but a mask one night and then for Uh, some reason asks him to or wants him to choke her yeah what what just happened there um there's really Uh, uh, jimmy if if that type of thing upsets you you never want to spend a night at rob's house Oh well, don't well, tell that. that you won't come. Well, no, I know I won't, um, and neither will I. Wait, God, uh, the uh, wow. I'm just gonna keep moving. You said it. Don't say wow to yourself like that. You should I, be ashamed. I invented myself. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the woman who asked him, this guy to come up and kill this wolf, she is obviously batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband is away at war. Um. Mm-hmm. And they show a clip of him. The he's, Iraq War, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's the, the current, the most recent one. But he's yeah. not a hundred percent there either. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, he's very much of a, a silent sentinel, like a killing machine. This all takes place in like northern Alaska, so it's really dark, and everybody's except you know, for the scenes in Iraq. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, everybody's like in North Dakota. Mm, I don't think that's correct, but, um, everyone is very self-sufficient. Um, yeah. I liked it. Um, here, here's, here's my little quick thing here. Sure. Um, the movie had some twists to it, major, major plot twists. And because the pace of the movie moving slow, I thought it was one of those more character pieces that was a little more naturalistic and, and was going one direction, one direction. And then when the twist happened, I had to be like, wait, what? And like, yeah, it caused me to rediscover what I was watching. I had to rewind a little bit because I really thought it was supposed to be like more of a survivalist movie. You know, man versus animal, man, you know, in a weird place and people and also dealing with their own problems and that kind of thing. That's what it sounds like from the description. Yeah. Yeah. And then when the twist happened, I was like, oh, I'm watching a different kind of movie. And then there got even more batshit crazy. Which it I did. did. Go ahead. Say I, what's on your mind. I And maybe I just missed something. But I had a problem with this movie in that at the end of the movie, I'm like, so what the fuck are we doing here? I don't. I don't understand what the point of the movie was because, you know, she sends him off to lurk for her boy, which is obviously bullshit. Um, I, I think the entire movie was geared up to feature the scene where he just mows down cops from his attic. I, I think because that was the that was the powerful, strong scene for me in the movie. And I'm like, OK, so everything after that was just kind of pointless. Well, um, was that him mowing down the cops or was that the other guy? No, no, it wasn't him. It was it was the uh, the the other guy. Yeah, uh, his buddy. You know, Chico. Yeah, um, yeah Cheeto. Yeah. Whatever his name is. Cheeto was. Che- we're gonna go with Cheeto time for Skarsgård's character. Yeah. yeah, and but you know the the whole premise is is that he's he's hunting down his wife, and then he finds her, and they just kind go of into the sunset. Walk off together. I'm like. What the f just happened? Why were we mowing all these people down? I don't, I don't understand. People, people are we were actually trying to help him. In yeah, a way. like the, I'm like, the, part of the we... parking lot scene when he when he shoots the police there. I was like, huh? Yeah, what? I and and then it's like, okay, I found you. Let's go. Yeah. What? Now this is is <laughs> based on a book. What just happened? Um, this is based on a book, and I think I don't know if you could get it out of the movie because again, it was it it was a little slow. So there were some parts that I zoned out on. Um. They are brother and sister. They're twin brother and sister, the husband and wife. I don't know if you could get that from the movie, but you can get that from the book because that's what it's basically. Uh, I totally did not get that yeah. from the movie. She yeah. she is crazy in the fact that she feels that a part of her soul has gone missing when she has a kid. And in the earliest parts of the book, there's a lot of conversations about her, like you know, the, the kid like wanting to cook something and her having these ideas of like wanting to push him into the fire or that kind of stuff, which of course leads to some of our twists later on. But again, that's from the book. Um, I thought they were probably trying to connect the idea of what the wolves are and what the people are. And mm-hmm. then like the, the wolves are more honorable than the people or something. There was something with that. I thought we were going to get some kind of supernatural thing where, where they were like shapeshifters or something. And the, the I mean, they were setting it up. Yeah, well, they were setting it up, and then it was just, oh, hey, we're here. All right, let's go. Yeah. What? I thought it was a supernatural movie as well. Um, I thought it was going to be as well. Um, still, I enjoyed it. It was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd watch it. I'd watch it again. I, I was going to say, I, w- I wouldn't watch it again, but I wasn't mad that I watched it. I would not watch it again. I I was uh, – it, it missed the mark for me. I didn't like it. 
So we got some some differing opinions here. So if you got if you guys have watched it, it's you know it's available out there on on Netflix. It could be a pretty decent Halloween movie, different type of Halloween movie. I guess so. Yeah. It, it... No, it's not. <laughs> Last but not least, here we are going to talk about the haunting of Hill House, and this is going to be a spoiler-free conversation because is it? I don't. Yes, oh, I think it is because I don't think any of us have finished it. Nope. Um I'm uh... on I'm on six of ten. Jimmy's on, on five, five of ten. I might be on like eight. I don't know. And Rob is busy watching Hold the Dark again. Okay. No. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, if you have been online at all recently, you will see that there is a buzz about this TV show on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House, based on a book of the same title by Shirley Jackson, and loosely based, by the way. And there's a buzz, especially on the horror pages, saying that this is the best horror thing that's come out in a while the best they finally got a horror tv show correct it's the best streaming one all that kind of stuff that's what i heard before i watched it so i was a little concerned but i was really excited about it Mm -hmm. watched the trailers jimmy showed me the trailers it's like okay i'm in yep i watched the first episode being like well this can't be as good as people say and i was amazed at how good it is amazed at how good it was and then walked away feeling like you got punched in the stomach let me let me just mention. I don't know if you guys saw it. Stephen King just tweeted his reaction to the mo- to the TV series today. What did he say? He said the haunting of Hill House, revised and remodeled by Mike Flanagan. I don't usually care for this kind of revisionism, but this is great. Close to a work of genius, really. I think Shirley wow. Jackson would approve, but who knows for sure. Wow, that's that's high praise from the master of horror himself. Yeah, yeah, that's and awesome. I, after after the first episode, I haven't been this rabid about watching a show since I saw the first season of Stranger Things. I one hundred percent, Rob. I am I am with you there. I am so I I don't think since because Stranger Things I watched I binged like. Two days straight. I, 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 I had too. to watch it for two days because I was leaving for New York the like two days after it came out. And I've I, not been able. Go ahead. No, and I just had to watch it because I knew I wouldn't be able to watch it on my vacation. I've not been able to do that as much with this. Just one because it's so damn heavy. Um, I think we can we can agree because I think we've all seen it. Episode three was extraordinarily heavy, and I just couldn't watch another one after it. Um, Oh no, I plowed through all of them. Okay. I watched like seven episodes in one day. <laughs> wow. But as you said, you've not been so rabid about watching something since Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not been so extreme with telling people not to spoil it for me. I, I don't want to hear anything about the episodes that I haven't watched yet. So if yeah, at you, any point. You don't even, you don't even want to hear anything about telling people where you're at. I don't I don't even want some somebody to go like you did. You're like, "Oh my god, did you see, you know, something to the effect of, did you see that part in this?" I was like, "Shut up." No, no, no. What what I said was, "Have you watched episode 6 yet?" So I wasn't going so, cuz I didn't want to spoil anything if you hadn't seen it yet. And you're like, "Quit spoiling." And I'm like, "What the what the hell are you talking about? I'm asking see, where you're at." You're like the third person who's been like have you seen episode six yet? I'm like, sh- don't, because there's something obviously happens there. I I hope I know. Like, 
Do we now? We can't actually I, say no, that. No, 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 no. It that that that's that's not true. I asked where I asked specifically episode six because that's where I was at. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out where you guys were when I when I texted that. I that's where I was at, and I was like, "Have you guys watched episode six yet?" You're like, "Don't." No spoil, and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" That's why I'm asking where you're at. I don't want to spoil anything because he he wanted to be able to talk about everything from episode one through six. As well, and and I and I didn't I didn't want to screw anything up if you hadn't seen it yet. That's why that's why I asked. So let's let um real quick what what do you think makes this so good with not very specific plot points, but what has captured the minds of people? Because yeah, I've been largely unexcited about most of the horror long form TV shows other than maybe the first couple seasons of, of American horror story, the first like three seasons of American horror story. Um, I, th- I think I, and I, and I read something that, that kind of, I read something about the haunting of Hill house today that kind of, that kind of triggered it for me. Um, it's a perfect description because somebody, somebody described it as the, she achieves the, the suspense in the horror genre by using terror instead of horror and a lot of a lot of horror movies now use horror as opposed to as opposed to the, building the suspense and building the terror of the characters like yeah right right they use they use the horror portion they lean more heavily on horror than they do on the terror portion and the and to me at least in this in this series the terror, the terror portion of it, has done a much better job of of getting of getting the reaction that they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. They one of the descriptions I heard that that settled it for me was it's a family drama that has ghosts and, and horror and terror. Mm-hmm. Like you actually care about the characters. You want these characters to to succeed to get back to where they were would have been had all this stuff not happened and the there's just also ghosts and it's very well acted too. So, you know, I was telling my wife that like, I know she would hate the ghost parts of it, but she would have loved everything else about it. Yeah. Elliot's really good in it. Yes. Yes. Elliot, Elliot from ET fame is really good in it. So, so speaking of the, um, the actors in it, you've got Carla Gugino, who is still gorgeous by the way. And always great. Yes. And you've got, who is it that plays, um, the dad, the young version of the dad. Um, Oh, he's oh, Elliot. From, what's his name? So, are we looking at the? Uh... Well, while well, you look that up, is real quick. Is he wearing yeah. contacts like all the time? Because his eyes are like ice blue and kind of creepy at times. Yeah, I was wondering have you about that, that too. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh and I was god. like, oh my god, what? It's, sometimes it'll catch. The camera will catch him. He's um. He's got that one uh, scene that's Henry, really that's Henry early. Thomas in this, is Elliot Henry exactly. Thomas. That's what I said. He's got that. He's got that one scene really early in the series. I think it's like in episode one or something. But he's like telling a story. I think it's when he's talking to the little girl on the bed because she called him into the mm-hmm. room, and he's telling her the story. But like half of his face is in shadow, and the other half is in moonlight, and it's like glowing he's off of that ice blue one eye, bright blue eye. Yeah, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like a really cold Terminator. Yeah, it's so creepy looking. And then if um. There's, everyone's really good. Uh, Michael uh, Huisman. The child actors Michael are great. Huisman, oh, they're really good. Uh, who was briefly on um, little Game of Thrones, of course. Luke. So he's he's an I don't know just um yeah. Oh yeah, he's um he was the new um 
he replaced yeah. Dario, Dario, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he was, he was that. Um, and, uh, the other thing that really, this, this show begs to be watched closely because as I've talked to Jimmy and Rob about, there's, um, all sorts of hidden ghosts throughout the movie. I finally oh, got, got one. one. Which one? Yep. Um, episode four, where this isn't a huge spoiler. Um, there's like a little in-house phone in mm-hmm. this super old house that you can like talk from one room to another. Uh, speaking like of ghosts, if you hear a disembodied voice, my uh, child is running around upstairs. So you might hear a child's voice in the background. Yeah. Saying the F word. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh God. Is that Are you what? That was like poltergeist. Hello. Greg's dead. <laughs> they got him. I, I get his PlayStation. Okay. He just said, Oh crap. And then white noise. And now he's gone. Greg has been possessed. When he comes back, we'll have to ask him a question that only we would know the answer to. Yeah. So the part I'm talking about, Rob, let me know if you notice this, uh, where little Luke is talking into the like in-house telephone tube thing. And like a voice comes through it that it's clearly not his sister's. Mm-hmm. He pulls back from it, mm-hmm. and you can see a ghost's face in the reflection. Uh, I think that's I, the first one that I noticed. I think that one was intended for you to see, though. That that one wasn't because the all the others. God were, damn it! The all the others were just kind of things where they like <clears throat> panned over it, and the ghosts are just like there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one. That one I think you were intended to see because Luke actually sees that one and he jumps back and runs away. So, and, and all of the other ones, nobody reacts to, you know what I mean? Like they're there. I didn't know that he saw it though. The the voice came from out of it and he didn't specifically look at that. Like, well, no, what, what, what happened was cause you're looking at the, the, the megaphone, if you will, the little part that you speak into and he's talking into it and he hears a voice come out that's not his sister's and he's like what and he backs up a little bit and as he backs up the reflection on the cone comes forward at him and then he goes oh and he jumps back and runs away okay there's a there's a ghost i think you guys have all seen this part um over uh carly gugino's shoulder when she's sitting in the bed talking to her husband um and you see a ghost very faint, like it's very blurry in the background. And that one happens to be uh, a cameo. I don't know if you saw that. No, it's oh, right. Jimmy Hendrix. Because most recently, Bruce Greenwood and Carly Gugino starred in, Ger- in Gerald's Game. So he came back and he played his character from Gerald's Game um. as a ghost in the bedroom. Just as kind of like a little fun in-joke thing. Which I thought was kind of cool. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Henry Thomas was yeah. also in that movie. Yes. Directed by so the there, same there's just a lot of them. Um, there are lists you can find online to find them, and you can't be sitting there looking at your phone watching the show because you'll miss some very spooky parts that are subtle but interesting. And after a while, you it's not like you get numb to them, but you realize the ghosts might not actually be there to harm people. In my like, because they're just kind of watching, being there. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, they live there. Like, oh, those are just the ghosts. They're not here to hurt you. Anything like that. They're just cool. Um. So between that, between between the acting, between the the story, between the the extra time spent on sneaking ghosts into everything, um, I think they did a, just such a good job on the show, and it's been a awesome thing to watch. Uh, it's doing well, I assume. Yeah, it's a, another huge hit for Netflix original programming. 
Rob said it earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. they're really knocking it out of the park mm-hmm. with the exception, you know, you thought of hold the dark, but man, this is TV done, right? Nothing has ever interest interested me about American horror story. All the clips I've seen look dumb. In my opinion, the acting looks bad. And this is, this is, epi- you know, eh, this mm. is episodic horror to me. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's on the right. And platform. It's got every episode is more interesting than the last you learn little bits and pieces of the story you focus in stuff isn't necessarily presented in the proper order so there's a lot of uh a lot of flashbacks and that oh that's another thing the cinematography is incredible on this show where they where they'll pan from one scene to another through stuff oh and i think i was telling you every time the camera pans i'm always expecting like some kind of jump scare and it's like not they they don't like abuse it they don't overuse it or anything like that so you're like expecting a jump scare and then one doesn't come so it kind of mm-hmm. lulls you back a little bit you know what i mean yeah and the the ghosts are unique and interesting which i thought was kind of cool you know the way they move around and stuff and uh like i said i'm on episode six you're on seven or eight and i'm looking really forward to seeing where it's going but i'm, mm-hmm. I'm watching it slow on purpose um yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I told Jimmy this the other day. It's the first time that I've watched something gone to bed and actually had a nightmare related to it in a long time. It was related more towards the part that they're trying to flip a house that's haunted and destroyed and whatever. And I was having nightmares about real estate, but it was related like imagery wise and stuff like that. It was very interesting. I was like, whoa, not, yeah, not at all ashamed that, um, I had to turn on the light in my bedroom. <laughs> while I was watching the first episode there's a there's a part in that episode where let's just say Carla Gugino's character is running mm-hmm. and she's got kind of like her clothes are like flapping in her face and it reminded me of a scene uh. from the movie Baskin where a woman she like turns to face the character and you know the, the character kind of becomes the camera at that point and she turns to face him and she raises a knife she's just covered in blood and just like bears her teeth and runs at him. And I was like, Oh, okay. I like to turn on reading light. You know, there's bound to so, be at least one person listening to this uh, episode. that's going to have the reading light go on right now. Like when they're listening to it. Nice. Yeah. If they've named, I have one name reading light. light. So doesn't seem too odd. So I hope, you know, I hope that this closes as strongly as I assume it's going to. Um, I don't know if it's possible for them to do a sequel. But I would love to see this team work on something else that's in the same vein. And I think I'm actually going to read the original book, The Haunting of Hill House from the 50s. I think the woman that wrote it also wrote that story, The Lottery. If you remember that, the like old mm. short story, The Hunger Games. The um, lottery, it's basically I've heard the of Hunger it, Games, but I don't. It's like I don't. this town where they everyone thinks the lottery is so great, and they they pull a, a ticket, and and if uh, and they sacrifice one of the kids of the town to keep the town up and running. And everyone thinks it's great until, of course, that family's kid gets picked, kind of thing. So I might be wrong, though. I went down a, a rabbit hole there. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same story, though. But I am all in on that. I want to know more about the the house. I want to know awesome. more about the original source material, and I want to see more of that group of people's movies. Agreed. Yeah, the 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 it is an absolutely fantastic series so far. Um, like you said, I don't know how they can continue this as a series, um, you know, mm-hmm. past like one season. Um, but who knows? I mean, I, I didn't think they'd be able to do American horror story, but then they, uh, then they changed it up every, uh, every season. 
Yeah, because after the first one, you were like, wait, everyone's dead. Yeah, which which on a side note, American Horror Story has restarted, and they're linking all of the seasons together in this season, which is pretty awesome. That brings us to our question of the week. And I propose this question to you guys. We might need to have a little discussion about the rules, but our five for the week are our top five haunted houses uh, found in media, movies, popular culture. I hate dogs. Oh, no, you don't. I hate dogs that bark while we're trying to record about haunted houses. So your top five haunted houses. Um, Rob, did you have some questions about this or did we clear I did. it up already? I did. I'm assuming okay. that that to qualify, it has to be the structure itself that's haunted, not a person living in the house. Yes. yes. Okay. And are we doing strictly ghosts or is a demonic kind demonic of thing? Is a, That's an option. Okay. Because not all of the ones on mine um, involve ghosts. Okay. But uh, but it definitely has to has to be in fact the house that's haunted. So things like insidious or um mm-hmm. or paranormal activity are out. Yes. Okay. And does it, it has to be a house. That was the other thing. Because there are plenty there are plenty of, you know, it's a haunted. structure as Rob said. Um so I went I went straight up houses. Okay, I, I I think the I think the one in question Jimmy's asking about is The Shining. Yeah, like no. I was I would have put The Shining, but I left that out because it's a hotel. It's not, oh, it's not The Shining. Okay, it's not the one I'm asking about. We'll put okay. Let's say your top five haunted places. So put The haunted Shining on that list building. if you want to. Haunted buildings. No, I'm, I'm sticking with my my original. Okay. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go first because then I can mute and the um, annoying Papillon barking behind me will who is haunting me <laughs> at the moment. All right, mm-hmm. go ahead. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, house or the place from The Grudge, which I I was trying to remember from the original Grudge, like the Japanese Juon. Yeah, Juon. Um, I don't remember if it was the person that was haunted or, or the house. It was the house. Okay. So that was that's my number one, or that's my number five. Um, I'm going to go with the – the house went to someone named Cyrus, so I'm calling it the Cyrus house from 13 Ghosts. I just love the backstory of the, of the 13 Ghosts thing. I think we talked about this a year ago yep. where I – that movie became so much better when you actually watch the stuff about the individual ghosts and their lives. Mm-hmm. So that's my number four. Um, Hill House from, of course, the um, current TV show that we are watching. And we'll go by the book, too, even though it's a little different. Uh, the Amityville House from Am- Amityville Horror, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not the false book is my number two. And the house from Poltergeist, which we just talked about a couple episodes ago and scared the bejesus out of me. So I will go with the... Poltergeist house, even though it is not the moodiest looking house, it is my first introduction to haunted houses. Okay. So that is my number one. I will go next. And I included a couple of structures that are not houses, but they house things. So how about that verbiage? Like uh, your my porn n- collection? My, God. my number five <laughs> is going to be Collingwood Psychiatric Hospital. That is the location from the movie Grave Encounters, which is a criminally underrated found footage movie. Number four is the Yankee Peddler Inn from the movie The Innkeepers. And that's where my structures differ. Uh, number three is the Belasco House from the book Hell House by Richard Matheson, who is the author of I Am Legend and What Dreams May Come. Number two is the house at 4267 Roxbury Street in Simi Valley, California, fictionally found in the subdivision of Cuesta Verde, that is the house from Poltergeist. And my number one wow. is the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> okay. Not spooky. Kind of want to live in the Haunted Mansion. 
Mm, the smell would you just start to taste it. I have a candle that smells like that, and it's wonderful. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and do my five. Um, I've had a little bit of trouble narrowing the list down, but by going by Greg's standards, I'll go ahead and eliminate the Overlook Hotel. Um, but my God, I've still got, I've still got six. Um, my number five, uh, the others is going to get bumped. The house from the movie, the others starring Nicole Kidman, I think is a, is a very underrated, uh, haunted house movie, but that's, that's going to fall to six, I think. Um, so my number five is going to be Juon, the, the house from the grudge that, that was one of the few movies that really, really disturbed me even as an adult. Um, and I've got one or two stories about that that I can tell you guys at another time. But yeah, it, it, it creeped me out, especially the scene where she went through the, uh, the closet into the attic and got her face bit off or whatever it was. Um, so I'll go with the Ju- with, uh, Juon at five. At four, as you know, I always have to do like a cheesy entrant and it is technically a haunted house, but I'm going to go with the house from Beetlejuice. Yes. Very good. So it is a haunted house. It's not spooky or anything, but great house. Love the movie. Fantastic. My number three is probably going to be Amityville, the Amityville house. Even, even if famous ones, even if everything was proven to be total bubkiss, um, the movie was still fantastic and it painted a great picture of the haunted house. My number two is going to be Hill house. This, this TV series has been absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to get in and see the rest of it. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's it's rocketed up my list. It's going to be at number two. But number one has got to be Poltergeist. The house from Poltergeist. It is. It, okay. It, it was a fantastic movie. It was. I don't want to say it was groundbreaking because I think Amityville, the Amityville horror did that. But Poltergeist was certainly, certainly a titan in the field for a number of years. Gotcha. Well, do we want to hash out a five or do we want to close this thing out? Uh, let's hash out pretty quick. I think we okay. probably not. Um, I, I went ahead and replaced the uh, two questionable entries on my list. Number five, I put Amityville. And number four, I put Hill House. So let's go. Um, I think about, Poltergeist is an easy number one. That's an easy number one. I was about to say that. Uh, number two, I'm going to submit the entrant uh, at the house from the Amityville Horror. I, I, think, I think that's a fair insert okay how about number three hill house uh yep you're reading my mind all right let's see if i can do that any further uh number four don't go there for too long that you you'll be i've already went there for too long i don't know what i was saying anymore um (laughs) number four come on guys haunted mansion Uh, no okay it's not scary fine you guys argue out the last two uh juan it's got to be in there okay you guys yeah yeah, it is different big on that um and number five and i think number five is the one that we're all going to argue about because i would throw out beetlejuice i know you want the haunted mansion um i wouldn't throw out beetlejuice um let's um, see no no i i mean i would throw out beetlejuice for oh, oh, oh well i would uh i would nod in that direction then oh okay that's two votes for beetlejuice greg it's still not scary though like i think we kind of yeah. went the route of like Right, scary. but the the rule wasn't that it had to be scary. It was just I that know. it had to be a that's good what, story that's... involving a haunted house, and Beetlejuice fits that. It's okay. I wasn't the biggest fan of Beetlejuice, honestly. Well, you're just a communist. Get out. I got two words, Greg. Helper monkey. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to. Uh, I kind of wanted to go all like spooky. It's what's interesting is we didn't get okay. too many of the moody ones. Like we only the only real moody 
um, gothic looking one is really Hill House. Greg is HF for 13. I wish that uh, Crimson Peak was better movie because the house is great. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. The movie wasn't fantastic. Which hurt it because that house was was right there. I wish I knew more about the Belasco house as well. Hell House is a great novel by Richard Matheson. It's been adapted, um, but the house is haunted. The house plays on the people's darkest fears and you know turns them. And none of us picked the house house from the first season of American Horror Story. I don't like I, that show. I considered it, but I hated the series. I hated the season. Yeah, because okay. well, everybody dies. We're, this is going to go on forever. So, um, thirteen yeah. ghosts. Well, we have two votes for Beetlejuice. I think Greg got got uh, outvoted. Yeah. You've been outvoted. Yeah, I don't even remember how they died in Beetlejuice. Car wreck. Went yep. over the bridge. Uh, that bridge that turned around. They tried to avoid the dog, and the dog was standing on the little plank that kept them from falling over, and then he ran away. And they fell into the water. Uh, All right, guys. So there you have it. Our top five haunted houses. Number five, Beetlejuice. Number four, Juon. I almost read that whole thing, <laughs> which would have made me sound awful. Number three, Hill House. Number two is Amityville. And the number one is <laughs> Poltergeist. <laughs> what are you doing? I was trying to spell Poltergeist. The house from Poltergeist. Yeah. Sure. Poltergeist. Yeah, sorry we went long, but it was a lot of fun to talk about. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, guys, next week, or this Friday, the Halloween, whatever it's called. I don't know if it's a remake, if it's a sequel, it's whatever. It's Halloween. Yeah. Halloween is coming out this this week. Um, so go see it. We're probably going to end up talking about it if I can get my butt out of the house and watch it. I'm assuming you guys will attempt to as well. And thanks for listening. I'll try and get your butt out of the house to watch it. I will watch it. Not Greg's butt. Halloween. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I just realized that's kind of what that sounded like I was going to watch. You need to watch Greg's butt. I'm not going to watch Greg's butt. I'm going to watch that. It, it'll be quick. So. No, you're fine. Take your time. That's what she said. Boom. <laughs>